and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Um, Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I'm really excited to sit down with Adam, Adam Bello. Um, A little bit about Adam before he can introduce himself, but Adam is an ed tech dude. Um, Most of his bios say he's a dedicated ed educational technologist. It's quite a big word for early in the morning. Um, He's a father of two awesome boys, a husband of a a very awesome wife who I know them all very well, not not as well anymore because of the pandemic. Um, He's the CEO and co-founder of Breakout EDU, and I'll let him talk a lot more about that, but it's super cool. It's an immersive gaming platform that enables teachers and students to transform classrooms into basically escape rooms. Um, And he'll talk about it more, and maybe I'm butchering what it has turned into now. Um, He has served as a presidential innovation fellow for the Obama White House. Go Adam. Um, And he's also a previous ed tech entrepreneur. He created something called EduTecker and EduClipper. And he'll talk a little bit about that in his journey. And he's written books. He's a keynoter. He's a very big overachiever. And he's just an awesome human being. So I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, Welcome, Adam. Well, thank you. Thanks, Alana. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. And I think a lot of people can learn from you because a lot of educators sometimes feel stuck in the classroom and they don't know any other paths. And I think you have this incredible combination of someone who's been in the classroom and also different areas in education and then have made the leap into ed tech as well, but also not just ed tech founding companies too. So you've been on both sides and you can just really give us the skinny of what that journey was like. Yeah. I mean, it's been a weird, it's always weird to like reflect back on it because it was never, there are so many people I meet now where it's like the conversation starts where it's like, I want to become a founder of a company or I want to do X, Y, Z. And they start with like, what for me feels more like an end goal and is where I've landed, but it's almost like this accidental journey of failure along the way where I started to teach because a, my parents were teachers and I figured if my parents could do it, then I could try (laughs) to do that as well. Um, so I started teaching in New York city and then I loved it and went on and I taught uh, high school English. And then I wound up really just nerding out about ed tech. So when I went for my master's program, like I learned about quote unquote ed tech in the classroom and specifically helping kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, it was all like Word. Like, how do you use Word to, you know, <laughs> to reach an audience? And it, it was before Word actually has all these new Microsoft tools that they're using for uh, for special learning needs. But anyway, long story short, that's where Edutecher started. I started teaching the course that I took as a as a student in grad school, and I was just collecting all these different cool what we called Web 2.0 tools at the time, which is basically anything now on the web. Um, and started repurposing tools that weren't intended for education for teachers. 
And so that's where Edutecker started. And I did it for like six years. And it was kind of, I always considered it a hobby, but it kind of grew into this bizarre startup-y type business. We, we built the first iOS app for education. We built, um, I say we because it sounds less creepy. It was really myself. And originally it was my brother-in-law was helping me with the web design. And then basically for my birthday, when I think, I think I was 27, 28, something like that. I said to my wife, I was like, can I, instead of getting a birthday present or doing something for our birthday, can I invest money into hiring a team of developers to build this stuff? And that's what I did. And so I started building with like an outside uh, team and I would create the mock-ups and do all this stuff anyway. So that kind of grew into a, a heavily used product or, or tool at the time. And then I started going to ISTE and going to conferences and meeting awesome folks like yourself and, and so many of our other close friends. And I was like, oh, I want to do this again. I want to build something else. And so I remember literally like Edge of Clipper was born out of talking with, with folks in the ed tech space saying like, what do students need most? And I, and I proposed three or four different options. I mean, I literally remember giving almost like a survey to the people that I would most highly respected in the space. And one of the things that kept on coming up was like, oh, Pinterest, like a visual sharing board for ideas. And so that's where Edge of Clipper started and it grew into like a digital portfolio tool. But I always go back to the roots of like, I loved being a teacher. I loved being a technology training specialist, working with teachers on teaching them how to use technology. And then kind of this journey into being a, a serial entrepreneur for, for lack of a better phrase, like it, it gives me so much creative uh, joy to get to build new things and share them with the world and feel like we're doing stuff that, that has a purpose. But it's not something I would have ever sat down and been like, yes, this is my end goal. This is what I want to be. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, no one knows our end goal. No one knows our journey. But I think we can all learn from your journey in particular. And I think the one thing you're being humble about is when you're in the classroom, you obviously have a passion for education and, and teaching the kids and the impact. But you have a passion for for teaching other educators as well. And that's how I got to know you. So I got to know Adam probably on the Twitters prior to everything. But in person, do you remember our first in person? I'm, now I'm trying to think of our first in person. <laughs> was it? I mean, I remember so many like specific things like in person at Edutopia. Was it at one of the Ed camps? It was at 140 Conf. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Jeff Pulver's conference. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was back in the day when Twitter was kind of on like something really brand new. I think it was maybe three or four years old at the time. Um, it was just coming out of South by Southwest is debuting. And Jeff Pulver had this conference called 140 Conf. And it wasn't 100% education specific, I feel like, that conference. But um, it was in New York City. I went alone and I'm a West Coaster, so it was a bit of an adventure to me. <laughs> and I don't even know if I, I said hi to you before you went on stage. So he was doing a, a, a mini keynote every 20 minutes or something, because it was 140 comp. Yep. <laughs> something like, it was something like that. But I remember you had like 140 slides to match 140 comp. I, I, I did. <laughs> I did. And it was, and I got made fun of when Jeff introduced me. So that was the best part is I literally was so nervous. I had not been a presenter for a long time at that point. I literally maybe had presented for a year or so in, in smaller venues. And so I was excited to go in and do this at, you know, the 92nd street. Y. it's New York city. It's in front of so many people that I now I'm just honored to call friends yourself. Uh, Chris Lehman was there. Mary Beth Hertz was there. So many people were, were at the event and 
I got up and I and and here's the dirty secret behind that is that that was a presentation I had built for ISTE for an hour long session. And I just couldn't imagine a week later, I think it was in August and ISTE obviously late June. So the three weeks or whatever in between, I couldn't imagine coming up with something completely new at the time. So I just said, well, I'm a New Yorker and I talk very fast. Let me just shrink it down. I took out some stuff, but I was like, let me see if I could do it really, really fast. And sadly, that's kind of a style that has attached itself to me is like this very rapid fire, high visual, whatever um, piece. But I remember that. And I remember afterwards, I was so, so, so nervous. But Jeff Pulver, I remember his reaction was like this. That that was incredible. And in fact, he actually that night uh, I went out to dinner with him and like the organizers of that event. It was like just five or six people. And he it was just the, the most amazing experience. Yeah, and I guess I mentioned that because I obviously knew of your passion and you were always online sharing like so many people, like the early Ed Chat folks on Twitter. But when I saw you in person and the way you, you kind of gracefully went topic to topic, but it, it just in a humorous but approachable way of Ed Tech, like we know what we did, we started with Ed Tech, why we wanted to get this smart board in the classroom. And then you would show pictures of just like, you know, post-its on top of the smart boards and things. <laughs> so really bringing attention and, and just really showing your passion because as an Ed Tech entrepreneur, if you don't have that, I mean, what's gonna get you going and keep you going in those hard days that we were talking about prior to this podcast is just, it's hard starting your own company and keeping it going. It's yeah. the most unsexiest thing you will probably ever do. But unfortunately, people just see your peaks and they go, oh, they're yeah. killing it. <laughs> you're yep. like, what day am I killing it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are days where you feel like you're killing it and completely falling apart hour to hour. Like it's that, you know, the startup roller coaster. Of, it's not even a startup. It's just a company roller coaster of like there are these these high highs and low lows. And it's just like, you know, every day could be a mix of, of stuff in between. So it's, it's yeah. definitely interesting. So let's rewind slightly. You talked yeah. about your role in education, but I've never asked you this, but what drew you to education initially? You know, obviously we have so many, ideally I'd like to say any choices in the beginning of earth, you know, when we get out of college, what do we want to do? What said in your mind, I want to be an educator. I want to work with kids. Yeah. So I did not originally say that I, I wanted to be a film director and I went to film school and I had a film that was like a, a honoree for a student Academy Award. And I was I my film debuted in a New York City Film Festival and like went to see it in a movie theater. And it was like you talk about highs and lows. That was that was what I wanted to do. And then I fell in love and I my my now wife, girlfriend at the time before became my fiance, was literally like, I'm in law school. That's a career. Is film school something? Is film really something you're gonna, you know, do? Or if not, you got to have a job. So I was like, well, and I think I referenced this before. Like my, my parents taught, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll give that a shot. I loved being a camp counselor. I loved working with kids. I've always loved kids, and you know, just uh, you know, teaching different things throughout the the my my uh, like teenage years. I would work at camps and teach programs and whatever. So I was like, I could I could give that a shot. And lo and behold, some school hired me as a assistant English teacher. And I had the most incredible mentor in the classroom. And I was like, I love this. I was working with kids with language-based learning disabilities. And it absolutely blew my mind how I could help these students kind of come into their own 
and support them. And, you know, from there I went obviously to grad school and all that stuff, but that, that was the career of like, I want to work in education. Mm. I think a lot of educators struggle with this question, and this might be a hard question for you to answer, but when you were in the classroom, and how long were you in the classroom for? I taught for five years as a English teacher and then worked at a district for three years as a tech training specialist. So I was a teacher on special assignment. Mm, okay. So you were at TOSA. So you had eight years total. Yep. So at that end of the eight years, was there this moment that you were like, and then you talked a little bit about your intro, about how it kind of culminated where when you were in grad school, it just seemed probably natural. But were there any moments like, especially with our audience of educators that sometimes feel like they could potentially do another path? Are there signals they should be looking for? Are there moments? What, what really drove you to say, I'm going to try this? Yeah, I, th I think it was literally like I always needed something to keep me busy. I, I don't do sports. I don't do, you know, I, my, my hobbies, uh, watching TV, I guess, is a hobby. But, uh, you know, like, <laughs> there's only so much of that you could do. I love to build things. And I've always liked to do creative projects. So for me, taking the, you know, going back to Edutecher specifically, like I could have easily made a Google Doc or a PDF or a static piece of content with the list of all the tools that I was finding. But for me, it was like, well, why don't I just build a tool in the vein of these tools that allows me to post them, to make video reviews of the tools, to share them with people. There was no fame and fortune in that. Like it, it was never thought in my mind that that would be a leaping point to anything else. It was literally like for my students, let me create this experience. And I remember starting to get emails from people outside of where I was going to school. And they were like, this is incredible. You know, I live in, I remember getting one specifically from, uh, from Japan. I've been using your site, it's amazing. This was a year in. And I was like, wait, I've, I've been designing this for like the 30 kids that sit in front of my class. And this guy in Japan is using it because, of course, it didn't dawn on me that, like, oh, it's the web. Anybody could use it. So I think for people that are, like, looking to get started and, and again, I think it's more about that journey piece than, than saying, oh, I want to go build something. It's literally just build things from need and, and try to fulfill your own needs. So for me, it was almost like building it for my kids, but also selfishly it was for me as a list. So I didn't lose all that information. I was creating my own information base, my knowledge system. And so I think creative purpose um, and keeping yourself passionate and excited. And as teachers, you know, we use lifelong learning all the time. And you're and you were saying, like, for me, it's like, I love to share. That's genuine. And I feel like it's very much a I love to share because I love to learn. I mean, I always, always, even to this day, like my my nine to five or really <laughs> 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. is is sitting here and, and helping to vision and run breakout. On the other hand, I'm always open to hearing about new tools and new ideas and how we can make those things better and, and come to life. Um, so I feel like that's, that's key for anyone. It's like, take something you're interested and passionate about, be on fire about it. And then good things seem to happen when, when those are the, those are in the mix. Yeah, and especially that passion piece, because I remember talking to you a couple of ISTEs ago, and we sat down and you said, you know, Alana, I'm still doing customer service. And I was like, what are you doing customer service for? And then I started thinking about it. And, you know, 
the differentiator, what I think about your company versus a lot of ed tech companies I see is that you were previously an educator and you're, you're in everything. And I know that can be hard as a founder at times too, but it's really nice to connect to you. So if I send an email, sometimes I might get an email back from you. I might connect yep. personally with your awesome team and create relationships and learn from them and create my PLN with a quote unquote vendor. And that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and it's an important, it's a, it's a tentpole for, for our business. It was out of necessity at first, but even to this day, you know, we're, we're very much a, a small team that, that takes, that takes what we do very seriously. And at the same point, those connections are ultimately what's most important. Um, you know, being able to know that you could reach out and get a real person and we're not, you know, it's funny because for so long people thought, oh, it's this big company. You know, you do, if you do a decent job at branding, that's the problem. Is that you get you you have brand awareness and recognition and people think it's especially especially with a physical product they assume that like oh it must be a large team since it's a, we're manufacturing something and we're doing something it's like at the time it was four or five people so, so you know everyone wears lots of hats and I feel like we all very very personally take on this role of like the shepherd for the product and and ultimately the customer and the student experience with, with the product yeah and. I guess as we mentioned the product, we really didn't talk about what it is. So why don't you just give a brief overview of Breakout right now? So Breakout EDU, and then we can transition to, I'd love your take on as an edu educator jumping in to a second CEO role or either CEO role is what really prepared you as an educator that you felt like, oh, I have, I have a leg up compared to other people. And what were you like, oh my Lord, I need to learn <laughs> like yeah. those two things. But maybe yeah. talk a little bit about breakout for a second so people have context of what it is and a little bit of your role there. Sure, sure. So breakout EDU, it's, it's you know, our, our tagline is that we unlock the love of learning um, through games. And specifically, I think you referenced it before, like these games are, based on the idea of an escape room where instead of locking kids in classrooms, which is, by the way, fairly illegal, um, we created a product and uh, it's behind me somewhere over there, but this box that literally locks with padlocks and each padlock is related to a piece of academic content. So students work together in small groups collaboratively to unlock the, literally unlock the box. Inside the box, there is uh, discussion cards that are based on each of the four C's. And it really is like the most perfectly genuine vehicle to get kids to collaborate, to work together, unlock those 4C and SEL skills, which obviously today are just more important than ever. Um, so Breakout, we have that physical side of our business. And we also created about three years ago, we created a digital platform. And what I love about the digital platform is twofold. One is the games are ready to go. You don't have to set up the kit. You could just literally uh, share the content link with the students and let them work in small groups to, to break into the, the game. But also we have a game design tool and a whole series of course materials that allow the students to become the creators. And in all the companies I've, I've worked in or, or tried to build, it's like the idea of, of student creation and student ownership is so important to me. And so that's why we love the idea of kids being able to create their own games. And it, it's just such a higher level, uh, you know, proof of learning, right? Where they get to literally take what they know, take this consumption of knowledge and take the, the, the filter of all the stuff that they've gone through in the educational uh, you know, span of their class and create something that's actually fun and that can challenge other learners in, in their in their class. 
Yeah, and it's not just for kids because when I when you were first getting on the conference circuit with Breakout, I remember you having those buses. Remember you had the the Breakout. Yep, well, I, I remember it well. It's uh, yeah. Breakout U bus. Yeah, that was ISTE twenty sixteen. Um, <laughs> we we had that bus. It was and, so it, cool, and having educators be in the seat of learning experiential experientially <laughs> was just i could see the joy on their face when they figured out everything and they were high-fiving at the end and we yeah. need more learning we need it more when we learn as adults we need it more as we're um, students navigating classrooms with all the standards we have to hit and how can we work critically and, and collaboratively to have fun that's the stuff you yeah. want. learn experiences i don't need to preached to the choir oh, no 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 but it, it's absolutely true and i think it's it's interesting like with breakout particularly like if you experience it you'd completely understand what it is as a teacher i think it's one of those you know for a while we had a very hard time explaining it to people because escape rooms were not omnipresent people didn't have that background reference they were just like what i don't understand you have a box of locks and they're you know you have to set this up but you get a teacher to go through that experience and instantly it's like oh it is literally, you know, we talk all the time, you know, guide on the side versus sage on the stage. And this is a, a, the perfect opportunity for students to actually own their learning and for teachers to see a different side of the student and what they know and how they work together. It's it's really a fascinating. I mean, I've, I've done literally probably a thousand of them over, <laughs> over the last five or six years and watched all of these different people play it, students, teachers, uh, professionals, et cetera. So it's been really interesting. But I want to answer the other part of that question, which was, you know, what what gave me a leg up or, or potentially could have given me a leg up. Um, I think that that with all people that are in the ed tech space, and I'm not just talking founders, I'm talking just, you know, people that are working on a product it could be that they're in the customer service role. It could be that they're um, doing manufacturing sales, whatever it is. Uh, it is so important to understand your customer and understand the purpose of what it is that you're doing. So, you know, when we say customer, it does sound obviously very business-like, but in reality, it's like, for us, we, have, we really have three customers, right? One is the school that we have to prove this is a valid form of learning. This is something that you should support financially for those teachers and kids. You have, and then that, that's just, you know, it's sometimes the most difficult because they're mo the most withdrawn from the actual experience. Then you have the teachers who you have to say, listen, this is like a valid form of learning and it's well worth all of the time and investment to, to get this up and running in your classroom. It's worth it adding it to your already packed schedule and day and and to consider it, uh, you know, we, we take very seriously the fact that we're brought into classrooms. Like it is a sacred space and it is a very time crunched space, especially now where it's like, there's a lot of uncertainty in, in, in what's going on. And I feel like for us, that that we look at that relationship and we look at that placement in that in that classroom as something really special, and I think that the third quote unquote customer is is kids, and it's literally looking at those students and saying like we want to make this fun, we want to make it engaging, we want to make it educationally valid, and don't waste their time, because I you know being a dad I think is one of the things you know being a dad and being an educator I think are the two things that have best prepared me for working in the ed tech space. I care very, very deeply about the end user in terms of kids because I want my kids to be doing stuff in class that I think is worth their time and helps them and pushes them. And luckily, I've been able to facilitate breakouts in their classes. And ironically, um, my older son, his his teacher gave them all breakout uh, digital games to create as their final assessment for his program this year. 
unbeknownst to me, like didn't, wasn't, hey, you should do this. Hey, this is a cool idea. Like he just came home and was like, oh, this is the product I have to make for my end of year project, which was so cool. But in terms of a leg up, I think it's, it's knowing how important the time and space and, and how difficult a teacher's job really is. And it's, you know, people might say from a business standpoint, like, oh, it's knowing how to talk to teachers. I don't think that that's it. I think it's really knowing and understanding how difficult it is to actually be a boot on the ground doing that job. Having those days where like the technology wouldn't work or all of a sudden we got this new program and I had to get training for this and that and the other thing. So I feel like just being so conscious of how special it is that you wind up getting to to grace that classroom and work with those kids and you know as a product obviously not even coming into the room but um i think that that's that's really important and i, I think a lot of times tools forget that they build for flashiness you know like oh it's it's like you know a lot of pitches i'm sure you've heard from a from a edtech spans is like oh it's like this for the classroom without ever thinking like did we need that in the classroom or thinking about, you know, what's the implications of that? A lot of times ed tech gets very, um, I, I would say duplicative, right? Like, like all of a sudden a company launches and it's like, oh, we help make text messaging to parents easy. And then I know four other companies that said, oh, Remind is really doing well. Let me build exactly that functionality into my thing, which not only copies something that's working, but it overcomplicates a product that they've already created. So I feel like, you know, uh, the, the leg up is really just understanding how special that space is and then being able to critically look at it and be like, will this actually matter to those kids? Will it make the product better? Will it make the experience better? Or is it just something, you know, that we've done for the sake of doing it? Yeah. And the one thing um, after talking to many, many ed tech startups and working with a lot of our clients too, is sometimes as a founder or somebody leading a brand in education, you get so excited about the product, right? You're like, we got this cool feature. We got this, we got that. And you're talking about you and you're talking about your product. Yep. No one actually cares about your product. Yep. And that's hard truth is no one cares about your product. They have challenges. They have their boots on the ground, like you said, every something to solve the problems I have, right? So I always say, don't talk about you, give them value, give them value as much as possible. And that value may or may not come from your product when you are initially starting your relationship with this person. Yeah. You know, so if for you example, you might want to talk to your customers and not, even not talk about you know, break out all the time. And I know you guys don't, you talk about the four C's, you talk about the things that you are passionate about bringing into learning as well. And how can we help you? How can we give you value every day and then increase relationships with educators that I am just helping you as much as possible? Yeah, that's, that's such a good point because it, it is, what is the value prop for that teacher? And I think with, with our product in particular, like, you know, you can boil it down and if we come in and say, oh, it's a game that you play or, oh, it's these puzzles you have to solve. Well, there's lots of products and companies that that have, you know, their own take on what that looks like in the classroom. Gamification in the classroom, you know, whether it be a quiz based uh, experience or or like a game show type of thing the, the you know, the challenge I always give to to our team. And let me just say, quite frankly, that they give to me because I think that, you know, 
we are, we are nothing but a, a collaborative team of really dedicated people that eat and love and breathe this stuff all day long. And we challenge ourselves to be better. So I, I don't want to, you know, we could sit here and say, oh, I'm the CEO, but that's fine. I, I am nothing without my incredible team that works with me and, and, and does this work because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen in a vacuum for, for sure. Um, but what we offer exactly what you said, it's like, it's the value prop of that experience. And I think that, that the, the joke is, is that, you know, breakout did start as the experience, but the reality is within, you know, a few months of starting, we realized that the, the, um, the byproduct of that experience, the four C's, the collaboration, the, all of those skills that are almost impossible to teach and certainly harder to capture organically. Cause you and I, if I said, we're going to work on our collaboration right now, you know, I've already framed this wrong. But if I have a student that's like, hey, we're going to solve this problem and there's this locked computer screen and you have to get into it by solving these product, you know, problems, you can work with your neighbors. Now it's like, OK, well, clearly they're going to work on all of those four C skills, but they haven't been told directly to do so. And then, you know, after the fact, we can come back and revisit those. So it really is giving those those people value. If it was just for the quick hit of, oh, it's a fun, you know, things in classrooms. Yes, we want kids to have fun. But if it's just fun. It's not really, you know, to me personally, it's like, all right, you know, there's a certain amount of fun that I think is essential. But if you could do fun and have the fact that learning and fun are not dichotomous, that's really special and important. Yeah. And you talk about the SAMR model. I love the SAMR model. Um, I, I think that might be a natural transition to sure. what we're talking about is not yeah. using technology just to purely substitute or glamorize certain yep. processes that are archaic in learning already. You want to talk a little bit about SAMR and potentially how breakout fits in there? Yeah, I mean, I guess like, you know, SAMR, I, I feel like it, it's funny because I feel like in recent years, it's, it's gotten its own, you know, it's, oh, it's long in the tooth. And, and you, <laughs> you know, people talk about about different models that come into into trend or not. But if you look at SAMR and you start talking about the fact that you want to do something more than than just replication, you know, with with our students, we really do want to get them to redefine what that experience is like. And so through, um, you know, through through doing the actual physical experience, whether it be the kit based games or whether it be the digital games, like we're hoping that students can go in and realize that the technology can be built can be used to build something completely different and allows them to kind of be the creator. So, you know, it, it's definitely a different model. It's a different way of looking at at, at the, the tools than, than what I think a lot of teachers um, on, on face value take those as, you know, like, like, oh, we're doing technology today. And I remember when I first started doing technology training specialists, like that was the thing. It's like, we're working on the smart board. I'm gonna teach you how to use the tool. And very quickly, you know, it was about highlighting what you can do with it. With breakout, it's the same thing. Like we want to really focus on, hey, it's very much not the product itself. It's the byproduct of the experience. And it's all about how the students could use our tools to make something that goes far beyond, um, you know, a simple, a simple lesson or a simple model. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know the SAMR model, we'll put links to it in the show notes. And Adam, maybe I'll ask you what you feel like a follow up on some good SAMR links, because there's a lot of them out there. Sure. But, I, I but, think Kathy Schrock is probably like yeah. her articles on SAMR are probably the, the go to with her coffee cup SAMR models. And oh, yeah, you'd yeah, <laughs> be at the top of my list as well. Yeah. I, I think when people think about technology, though, immediately the first carrot is can we get them to replace it? 
And so sometimes yep. when you're a, a TOSA in particular, right, it's like, how can I get them to use this, you know? And then at the same time, once they're bought in, good technology, great technology in the classroom, not only replaces, but it changes the entire experience of learning, right? And you wouldn't be able to do it without this technology. Right. It creates this new experience, this new way to understand that just wasn't possible without the technology. And that's the continuum what we want. We want intentional technology use in education. Yeah, it, it needs to be. I mean, I think Chris Lehman had the quote from from years ago. It needs to be ubiquitous, necessary, and invisible, and and that liter- and like oxygen, right? That that was his quote, like oxygen. Um, and, and it's true. I mean, I think that's still exactly true today. It it is not about the technology. Every kid has, you know, mo- mo- most of the students have access to devices, some multiple devices, and as the devices get more and more impressive, and the kids are doing more things with the device on their own. It's not about the flashy toy, and it's more about what we can get these these students to do with that, focusing on the product, not on the on the uh, you know the how to or the or the technical side of it. Yeah, and that Chris Lehman quote reminded me a little bit of like Adam Smithish, you know, where it's this like invisible hand where you really shouldn't be focusing on it, and you really shouldn't be bragging around. We use this, we use that. It's it, we are learning in ways we never thought possible. And here's how we know we're learning. And here's here's the impact on student learning. And we just get so caught up. And if you go to any technology conference, sometimes it's it's the, the 70 apps you'll learn in 10 minutes, yeah. those sessions. Always. But really show me that it is truly impacting learning and it's intentional in its use. And it's not just a gimmick, right? Yeah. And, th- and that's the hardest part is I think that it, it's the magic trick, right? It's, it's proving, okay, so it's not a flash in the pan. Great. We, we, we've now, you know, the, I, and I stopped doing those sessions years and years ago. I, that, that's kind of where I started because everyone in the 2012 spot was doing 20 apps for 20 minutes and, you know, that type of thing. Um, and I became much more, it's much more methodical about evaluating what works for your students. And, you know, Steve Dembo and I actually wrote a book years ago. And the joke was, is that the tools we talked about in the book were super old. And it was literally looking at like, we're not talking about necessarily the hottest things in the classroom. We're not talking about the newest things. We're talking about things that are probably the most impactful. And, and um, you know, some of those are still very, very true today. So. So we've kind of talked a little bit about everything and I know we can talk forever about EdTech cause we're both so passionate about it. I'm wondering, Switching gears to our other audience, we have a lot of marketers because I'm a marketer. Our teams are marketers and community builders. Um, What advice would you have for anyone who's leading marketing? And you have that leg up because you can fundamentally understand what it's like to be an educator. You've put that at the highest honor of their time. How would you talk to anyone leading marketing efforts for educational brands with that come in potentially with little or no education experience? It's daunting. I work with a lot of them. They're very smart. They bring lots of things, but sometimes knowing your customer is the hardest thing. Do you have any advice for them on how to get up to speed and in such a complex industry? I, I, do a little bit. And, and I think, you know, you get a big shout out here because I think I've said this to you before, like the work you did previously with, with Edutopia 
is to to date some of the the highest polish most poignant educational voice that that i've seen in the edtech space and that's what and i and i mean this honestly like like those posts both the fun ones as well as the the content that was being promoted through social always spoke to me when i was a teacher and being respectful of a teacher's time and not just throwing out memes and not just throwing out like oh you know uh, these folks will work for coffee or what you know like that, that, that i feel like there's two veins right now it's like one you know uh help the lazy teacher which even if the idea is that we are going to create something that will help a teacher um to make their classroom better the con the construct of like oh they're looking for a quick thing they're they're lazy or whatever it's like no you you need to provide value so i do think that like talking about the value you'll provide to that teacher and to their students is super important and not you know like there, there's a fine line between having fun with it and being you know like denigrating and i think some brands go to this like very cliche like silly you know teacher memes um but you know i th i think that there is uh, leaning into the value you provide to teachers and i think you know you you said it before about breakout not always self promoting so you can self promote your what you're trying to do as a whole but like there are lots of times where like you know we've done some work with flipgrid and some other companies retweet their stuff like their stuff if it's a really good educational piece of content there's no harm in you exposing that content to your viewers because it's going to help them too and then the the last piece I would say is social proof, and, and this goes you know this is something that we've we've been very very fortunate with Breakout is like without being told people post pictures all day long on social media of them doing Breakout with their kids, and you know sometimes we do it better than others but like engaging with those folks who went to the trouble of basically providing you with a commercial and sharing what you you know your product with the world through their own account is always fun. And so writing back to the schools, writing back to those teachers and kind of, you know, nurturing that experience as best you can, I think is always like that organic community building piece, which, you know, allows you to have brand authentication and, and have a real voice in the space. Yeah, in some other spaces, it might be more appropriate to do hard sells, right? Yep. To come in and say, hey, you're an educator, let me tell you about my product. In education, it is a very selfless endeavor. I think educators go above and beyond, especially on social media, to help others they don't even know. There is an assumption that vendors should be doing that as well, but we don't see that as often as I'd like. Yeah. So if the advice I would have is value first, like we were talking about earlier, but just help as much as possible. And sometimes your product may not solve all of their problems. And the world of education, there's amazing voices. On your end, your job should be to elevate voices as well. And you can elevate voices that are related to the things you're passionate about. And I work with companies and saying, okay, if you're a PBL company, let's look at the, some really great voices in, in PBL that are not coming from your company and elevate those as well. We are too small. Every 
everyone is too small. I don't care how big you are. You cannot create all the content in the world related to your topic, nor should you. You know, um, too often we live in our own chambers and in education, we need to work together and elevate voices as much as possible. And that was what I loved, loved, loved about Edutopia. Elevate yeah. as many possible voices around what's truly working in education and do it often. Help others. Just that. And then the other stuff will happen. But if you go for the hard sell, you lose people immediately, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... Yeah, that, that I think I, I can't even add to that. Like <laughs> that, that is so perfectly true. <laughs> All right. Well, I know we're getting that time here. I would just love to get in the mind of Adam um, and have you inspire others like you inspire so many people on your team and educators from keynotes and books and all of the things you do. But I also know you are a very busy person, so you may not have an answer to this question, but are there specific things that you are reading or watching or doing that's inspiring you that you think might be helpful for others? Oh, yeah, you know, it's it's funny. This year has been strange because I feel like I had turned down a lot of speaking things virtually because I just didn't feel like my voice was the one that was relevant at this moment. Um, you know, I, I look forward to getting back out and doing more sharing and stuff as as things change. But um, I definitely have been taking a lot of inspiration in, in other people that have been looking at the education space at this time, especially like social education, like Jose Wilson and so much of the great work that like Educolor has been doing and, and so many of the other um, bloggers that have come up with with just talking about what it's like to be a teacher now. And, you know, reading it for no other for no other reason and in, imbibing a lot of that content for no other reason than just like empathy, because, you know, often I, you know, people are like, oh, could you imagine what it's like to be a teacher right now? And it's like, no, my honest answer is I absolutely can't. You know, I, I taught during some, you know, rough days, but not rough years. And and I don't I see it through the eyes of my kids and their teachers and I have nothing but respect for them. So I've been I've been doing a lot of like social stalking it's almost like the reverse of like you know you become a known person on twitter and you constantly are pumping out content but right now i feel like i'm the lurker and i'm learning again what's relevant and what's you know because i don't want my voice to i don't want anything i share to to be um ill-informed you know I, I want to be and 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 i think that this goes for our company and what we're trying to do but it also goes for me as a learner i just don't want to to kind of just throw content out there um on the other side of of things in terms of just like you know trying to consume content and and, and better myself um been watching a bunch of documentaries both about people that are creators and about people that are entrepreneurs um if you haven't seen it this is a really totally random nothing about education but there is a documentary called val about val kilmer that's on amazon prime uh commercial for for them but brilliant did, did you see it alana or no no, but I keep seeing it pop up in Twitter about how it's really affected people personally. And I was wondering. Yeah, yeah it, it's great. I definitely would watch it. I mean, it's one of those those stories that just hits hit, hits the heartstrings. So it's very inspiring. And, and it's, you know, there, I'm not going to give anything away about it, but I had so much more respect for uh, Val Kilmer as an actor and as someone who, who practiced his craft. Because I think that you, you said it before, like, with the ed tech space, people only see the highs. 
you know, whether it's a presentation, like people are like, oh, you're a great presenter. It's like, yeah, but it took me a year to build the ISTE keynote that I gave way back when. Like it takes me a very long time to do things and it's practice and practice and practice and they don't always land. There are definitely times where it's a miss. And I feel like just, I have such appreciation for people building that as a craft and, and Edge Clipper is a great example of that. It was a product, it was a company, I believed in it, we built it, it had adoption, but ultimately it didn't find mass commercial success. And I feel like those lessons learned and, and attaching and, and following stories that are like that, that have different outcomes, I think are really important. And it's inspiring to hear about the people that find the success, but it's also just as inspiring sometimes or just as reaffirming to find about people that have struggled to, to get there. Yeah, and I think as we meander in this conversation, you know, there's a lot of similarities, obviously, between you and me. But some of the things I've noticed seeing you present over the years is you don't just present or create for the sake of creating is you push the boundaries. Like I remember one ISTE that you went to, you hacked, what was it, hacked PowerPoint. And so every time you would say something, it would be an automatic tweet based almost in real time with what yep. you were saying. And everyone was like blown away, but it was just something, it was a challenge for you. It bugged you. You went and took probably way too much time to figure it out and hacked the system and that creator in you just said let me do this but also when i do something potentially i don't want to do the same boring things that have been done over and over again how can i reinvent how we learn how we experience yeah and it's definitely you know that that's again i always joke that like i told you before i was i was going to film school and i wound up not becoming a, a filmmaker but i always that that's still very much a piece of me, like wanting to present a show, wanting to present something that's that's edutaining, right? It's it's I want to get the content out there, but I want to do it in a way that's memorable. And if not, why why do it at all? Like like I love conversation, but I feel like you know if I'm going to be asked to speak to you know X number of people, and I have the ability to create something different, why not try to do something different? And that Twitter thing that was I think Alan Levine actually had done it a year before I had done it and then it had broken and I had to like work with his APIs and whatever to fix it. And it, it was, a, it was a learning adventure for me, but exactly right. Like I did it because I just was sick of like, all right, well, I don't want to sit in the same presentation. I, I would totally do that again. That was super fun, but maybe <laughs> I'll try something different. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's kind of a big one, um, but I think it's, it's something that hopefully we'll look back and, maybe 10 years from now, you'll think of, all right, I was on this podcast with Ilana and I got to reflect on my journey so far as an educator, as an ed tech entrepreneur. And at that time, here's where I thought my path was going. Um, what, and here's the big question, what do you ultimately hope to accomplish in your journey within education, either as an educator, lifelong learner, and an ed tech entrepreneur? Like if we were saying, you know, not here lies Adam, but you know, oh. <laughs> yeah. living the first line of my eulogy is, uh, um, I, I think for me, I think it's really about, and I, I referenced it before creating something truly meaningful for kids to be able to create. And, you know, I think breakout is, is an incredible, incredible tool for creating learning experiences. And I think that where we're, we're looking to go in the next couple of years is about deepening that creation uh, tool as well. So 
very much leaning into the four C's and the SEL skills that are that are so core and important. And I would like to keep working in that space because I've seen how impactful it is for kids. You know, there, there are so many times where it's like in previous things I built, I knew that there were 400,000 users on Edge Clipper and blah, 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 blah. And the stats of, of who used it and what was being done with it. But with Breakout, you know, I hear stories from teachers every single day about the meaningful connection that the students, you know, the quiet kid was the one who was able to solve the problem and, you know, was they were made fun of at lunch, but then they were the hero after lunch when they were able to, like, help their class win. Creating moments like that and being able to be a part of a team that makes a product like that. And, and again, a shout out to to our amazing team is I want to get to work with awesome people that are dedicated to making positive change in education. I still have a lot of ideas left for, for where breakout can go, but I'm also not, you know, the future is long and I'm hopeful that, that whatever I wind up doing, it is something that is truly meaningful and impactful that allows students to have that values their time and, and create meaning and, and purpose in the classroom. And again, it's a dad. That's what I come back to every day. I'm like, you know, this is what I want my kids to be doing. This is what I want all kids to have the ability to, to get to do as well. Nice. Well, last question, and this one's an easy one, is how can people get to know a little bit about you, connect with you, um, or Breakout EDU? Sure. So uh, with me, I'm on, I'm on Twitter still <laughs> from all those years ago, just at Adam Bellow. And uh, Breakout, it's easy. It's uh, breakoutedu.com. And if you wanted to reach me at Breakout, it's adam at breakoutedu.com. I'm happy to answer any emails and questions and, you know, get to know people. And hopefully we'll get to see each other and get out there soon. But uh, e easy person to get a hold of, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Adam. I am just beaming with inspiration. Talking to you, as always, I know that that will transfer over to anyone who's listening. Um, I thank you for all of your dedication and passion to education. We need so many more people like you coming in and coming from all aspects of education. So boots on the ground, coming into the ed tech entrepreneur space, and now leading big teams and really showing people what it's truly like and what it can be like to reinvent learning. And I think now more than ever, people are open to that prospect of how can we do things differently and how can we do it in remote environments, but also value the in-person and what does that bring in terms of collaboration? So I thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you. And, and being nerdy and all of the things. <laughs> to do together. Um, if anyone wants to learn more about all the things we talked about, pretty much every topic we'll be giving you related resources to and links in our show notes at leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash two. So this is our second episode. Thank you so much for being our guest, Adam, and all the best. Have a wonderful weekend and hopefully we can see each other in the future. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.